In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Norrie, coming to you live from my home studio in Thornhill, just north of Toronto, and um, asking about these Chinese surveillance balloons. I believe they're surveillance balloons. I certainly don't for a minute believe the uh, communist Chinese government that these are meteorological uh, balloons that have blown off course because now there are two of them. These are high altitude balloons and um, they are uh, considered a, a key delivery platform for secret nuclear strikes on America's electric grid. I know this is something that George Norrie has uh, been very vocal about over many, many years talking about the need to strengthen our electrical grids from an EMP attack and um, the threat of a balloon-launched electromagnetic pulse attack. These, these have been warned about by congressional EMP com- uh, the, the uh, Congressional EMP Commission and inside the military a number of years ago. Back in 2015, a report from the American Leadership and Policy Foundation, Air Force Major David Stuckenberg, One of the nation's leading EMP experts wrote extensively about the threat balloons carrying bombs pose to national security. All right, let's go to Billings, Montana, no less, and uh, welcome Jeff on the wildcard line. Jeff, welcome to Coast. How are you? Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. um, Yeah, things are kind of crazy around here. They shut down our airspace Wednesday and diverted flights, and they prevented a, a flight from taking off on time, so... It's it's pretty crazy, fighter jets landing at the airport and everything. Usually we get the Air National Guard will do stuff, but we had, I think they just have F-18s, but we we had the um, F-22s, which uh, those are the big boys. So uh, lots of stuff going on here. Did you uh, did you happen to catch sight of one of these balloons or, or the balloon rather? I, I think I, I might have. Um, but I, I just thought it was like a just a weather balloon, and then I get home, it's like no, this is bigger and higher. So 
Um, I didn't think it'd be that high up in the air, but, you know, with perspective, um, you think it's closer and that's something small, but it was higher and something a lot larger. Um, and when I heard the news, my um, thoughts immediately, I kind of a World War II buff, and these aren't the first balloons to cross the Pacific and get here. Um, Japan launched probably like 10,000 balloons. Only 300 made it here, but those were loaded with incendiary devices and explosives. That's and, right. Yeah, we don't really like these drifting in our airspace. And um, if it's China that sent them, uh, they're probably testing us to see, well, how are they going to react to this? And if we're just letting them fly by, it's like, what's to prevent them from putting, well, the ENP thing or canisters of who knows what on there to just start dropping here. So, yeah, I don't like it in our airspace. And I know our governor's not very happy about it either because he um, didn't hear about it until it was already in the middle of our state. And so he's not happy that this is like right over our our land here and above. uh, He found out about it right when I was above Billings, and that's the largest city. Um, in Montana. Um, I guess there's a video tonight of somebody catching, um, I didn't get that good of a look um, at it because I think the servers were jammed from people looking at it, but it looked like um, the the witness heard some jets flying. This wouldn't have been the balloon because that's drifted. That's long gone. That's drifted somewhere else, but um, they heard fighter jets and then uh, some sort of explosion, and you can kind of see this trail where it looks like something falling from the sky so i don't know i if saw that i saw that video I mean, they were claiming this was the balloon but as you say no it had drifted it was long gone by then yeah. so i'm wondering so what are was they that testing some sort of a, a weapon type delivery system to if another one comes were they testing some sort of system to knock it out of the air um so this would be a good place to test it if um kind of get practice for drills to knock it out because there's enough uh, blowback from um, I know our congressman wasn't happy about it either. So I think if one of the another one of these drifts, they're probably going to take it out. Well, there's one coming up apparently from there's been another one spotted in Latin America that's coming up. Uh, so now I don't know why is it out of the question that they would shoot this thing out of the sky because it's a balloon. I mean, it's okay. It's the size of three buses apparently. Um, this idea that the they're concerned, the Pentagon uh, is concerned that the debris field could possibly injure people on the ground. But I mean, when is that a consideration? I mean, it, you have to be careful, obviously. But wh- when you have one of these vehicles, let's say, uh, with monitoring and surveilling capabilities flying over nuclear bases and so forth, uh, if an airplane were to do that, the the Air Force wouldn't wouldn't hesitate, you know, to um, uh, you know, first they try to establish radio contact, I suppose, and they would try to escort it out. But if it persisted, they would shoot that thing out of the sky. Why are they so yeah. and, uh, and hesitant so to do open this? Space in Montana, the this would have been the place to do it. Um, I don't know if they can figure out like the wind because um, it, it is really high up there. They can f- kind of get a, a estimate of where it would drift. And um, I don't know if it's possible to get the balloon, um, like put a hole in it so that it, it loses air. And if it's if it's able to land sort of gently, we could retrieve it and see what all's in the, like somehow get that technology to see what's in it and get more information on um, any capabilities it might have to 
have a payload or whatever. We just need to get more information on what this thing is. So I don't know if there's any way to have it have some sort of controlled landing, um, like just puncture the the balloon. It, it probably would have. Uh, um, who knows at that atmosphere? It, it might have just collapsed, and it would have probably would have been pretty ruined by the time it got down anyway. So I don't think they could have. But yeah, right. I mean, how much damage could a could a even a giant balloon do? I mean, how much damage could it do? I don't know. Yeah, uh, and again, really you're gonna have plenty of time to get out of the way. I would think. Yeah, it, it'd be the stuff hanging off of it. Um, the balloon itself is that's probably not going to hurt anything. But if it's what two or three school buses worth, um, um, it's not like a meteor strike because it's not coming in at like however many miles per hour meteorites come in. It'd just be free falling and. Um, I, I really don't see how much damage that could do if it landed like in a neighborhood, but um, the, the odds are um, it's going to land sort of in the middle of nowhere. And um, so I, I think the risk, it, there's probably more risk keeping it up there and just letting it do whatever it's going to do. All right, Jeff, great call. I appreciate you checking in from Billings, Montana. Thank you. Very insightful. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. 
For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Howard is uh, west of the Rockies in Vancouver, Washington. Howard, welcome to Coast. Good morning. Richard, uh, I think I saw uh, history repeat itself this afternoon. Uh, there was a rather heated press conference between a Pentagon general and uh, the media this afternoon, and uh, they were insisting that he tell them uh, exactly where the you know what position the uh, Chinese balloon was in, and uh, he just flatly refused to tell them. It got it got rather nasty. Now uh, whether he may have been, have been uh, unaware of it, but he was uh, repeating a, an 80-year-old uh, strategy that was used uh, in World War II, the latter part of World War II, when the uh, Japanese started manufacturing the, uh, the uh, Hugo balloon bombs. And uh, they sent up you know, thousands of these things, as the uh, previous caller was talking about. Uh, they were uh, landing all over the western United States. And the, the uh, strategy that uh, was the War Department used then was to uh, just simply classify the whole thing. They would not allow the media to report any of this. The idea was is that uh, they didn't want the enemy to know how effective uh, or accurate their uh, uh, their uh, balloons were. And uh, they uh, they actually did uh, succeed in. Uh, uh, creating some damage. The uh, yes, there were casualties. There yes, were people killed. Yes, uh, there was a, a family attending a church picnic. It was in, I believe, it was in the spring of 1945, and uh, they uh, came across one of these things. I believe it was in the Willamette National Forest, and uh, I believe it killed about three. Of, they they started messing with this thing. They didn't know what it was. That hadn't it hadn't been reported. And it detonated. I believe it killed three of them. But uh, I believe that uh, the uh, strategy of uh, just keeping quiet about it, that general, or the Pentagon for that matter, really doesn't know uh, what the Chinese know about the, you know, they, they may not know just exactly what the position of their balloon was. And he didn't want to let them know, because he knew that if he, he said it there, they'd hear it. So... Uh, Anyway, I, I thought that was a, a, a rather interesting uh, uh, situation there, how uh, history repeats itself like that. Indeed. Howard, great call. Thank you for that. That makes a certain amount of sense, although I don't know uh, the technology that the Japanese had, whether they were just sending these over and whether they had any way of tracking where they were once they were in the uh, in the United States. Um or whether they were basically sort of working blind, whereas here, obviously, these surveillance balloons are there to specifically surveil, I believe, and they would have, they they would know the communist Chinese where these balloons are within the United States. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at one a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. 
In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.